This is MJ. I'm an author, I'm an artist, I'm an analyzer. Find all my work at mjmunoz.com. Visit the podcast page for show notes and links. Remember, <laughs> remember to like, share, and comment to help me grow. Henshin Inspection presents Going Ultra, episode 42. Are you joking? I'm analyzing Ultraman Trigger episode 4, which is called Four Smiles. Not the number four, but four, like for the sake of smiles. Four. Uh, the episode, or sorry, the episode aired July 31st, 2021. The writer is Toshizo Nemoto, and the director is Masayoshi Takesue. I believe I've uh, enjoyed Takasui's work before, but I can't remember where. I'm almost thinking Super Sentai uh, Lupot. Lupin versus Gopin. Uh, what? Potter Ranger. Ah. Lupin Ranger versus Potter Ranger. Anyway, moving on from that awkwardness to the uh, negative stuff in this episode. Because there was so much bad stuff. Actually, actually, you know what? The negative does outweigh the positive. Uh, actually, that's not true. Uh, maybe we have one more point. Anyway, regardless, here we go. So. I got Kendo's delayed reaction to Yuzuray, Okagibura's leap, the compositing, actually that was a positive thing, man, ugh, I put that in the wrong section, uh, uh, Durasium Claw, and then uh, Carmira's passion, so go through those one by one. So when uh, Kendo was having his dream, I guess, and he was talking to Yuna, and then he, she walks in the other room, and then Yuzuray is in her you know, spectral form appearing to him, talking to him. He takes like 20 seconds, 10 minutes, I can't remember which of the two it was, felt like either is a valid answer, uh, to realize, oh, this woman here who is glowing with blonde hair and draped in clothing that Yuna never wears is Yuzare, not Yuna, I think. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that was silly. Goofy, this is a kid show, but uh, you know, it's also not a kid show. Well, it's a kid show and kids should be given the respect of uh, adults not telling them that they think they're idiots uh, with how they frame things and with how they pace things out. So, yeah, I think that's insulting to the youth, the youth of the nation, of Japan and America, the youth of two nations. That's who they're insulting right now. Anyway, uh, I didn't like Okagabura's leap. It was a little bit of a stretch that Okagabura could throw a trigger so up into the sky with a hit from the drill. Uh, a little bit of a stretch. I could buy it. Uh, but then Okagabura leaps up hundreds of feet into the air or maybe thousands of feet. Is it possible? How, how high is the atmosphere above the Earth's surface? I don't know. Anyway, um, I think I... Is it only like two miles above sea? That can't be true. Anyway, it was a ridiculous leap. It was a ridiculous throw. It was ridi- but I guess if he can hit him hard enough that he can throw him that far, then shouldn't he also be able to leap that high? But then again... He was hitting him that hard to throw him that high up into the air. Shouldn't he have also been able to throw him through multiple buildings on the ground? It doesn't make sense. I guess it's Sokusatsu. I'll chalk it up to that and just uh, sweep it under the rug. But I didn't like it. It took me out of it. I thought, is that really? Is that really going on? Are they really going to do this? <laughs> That's what I was asking myself. So anyway, um, next negative thing is uh, why hit with the Durasium Claw? The Durasium Claw... We're okay here, folks. We're okay. Anyway, uh, I kind of don't like the circle arms. Um, it's kind of growing on me. Last episode where he used the Durasium Claw underwater to hit whoever he was fighting. Uh, 
was that Daro or, or the big angry dude? Anyway, I believe, I believe that's who it was. Anyway, so like that was cool. I kind of got it because uh, it looked like a scissors to me before and I didn't understand that. But oh, it's a claw. It's a claw you can clamp your enemies with and hurt them by pinching them. I've drawn a character with a claw like that before. She was an alligator-based common uh, Raider. Actually, both. It was a, a dude and a, and a lady. Um, the dude came first and the lady came second. As far as my creation of them is concerned. Uh, anyway, so uh, I didn't like him hitting with the Durasium Claw. It didn't make any sense. Why turn it into the Durasium Claw at all if you're just going to hit? Is it because you're using Power Type? Can Power Type only use the claw if it's the circle arms and only the arrow if it's in the other form from next episode? I, I don't know. I don't like it. And then the way Carmira kept talking about her passion, I'm going to use my passion for this, my passion for that. It just, it was, I don't know, it wasn't good. It wasn't good and I didn't like it. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I have to say. Uh, it's like overdone. I, I get that she's all about the passion and angry dude's all about, or the gladiator dude's all about, well, he's like Ultraman Shredder, right? Eh, eh, eh. I think I brought that up before. Anyway, um, he's all about his worthy opponent and then the other guy's about, I don't know what he's about, but he's about something. And... <laughs> Like, I'm fine with them being reduced to these tropes or these single character traits or whatever that drive them, but just the way she's droning on about doing everything passionately, it's it's not good. Definitely doesn't work for me. Okay, so I'm moving on to the positive stuff because that was a lot of negativity. Uh, Ignis's quick change was awesome. Uh, I was wondering, like, hey, why is that guy who works for... Uh, not storage. <laughs> the guy who works for uh, Gut Select, like, being all weird and, like, is it, shouldn't he be handling this stuff more delicately and then he just like bumps Kango out of the way and he's all, you know, like, I don't know, gregarious about it or whatever. And it didn't make sense to me. And then, oh, no, it, it's Ignis. Okay, okay, that's cool. I like that. Um, and then I, I just, the Tokusatsu quick change is hilarious. I love it. It's one of the best things to ever come out of Tokusatsu. Um, I almost want to put it in a comic book. Um, I don't know how I'd put it in like a, in a fiction, you know, prose fiction uh where it's just text you know but uh maybe i should uh, you know i, I have tokusatsu, tokusatsu comic designs and ideas and uh i gotta put a quick change like that into a comic it's just it's too cool not to do i know you can do the effects cheaper but just do it go hardcore tokusatsu in, the, in your comics uh anyway so i loved that and then again his you know theatrical fighting and whatever was a lot of fun uh kengo um looking into Trigger was really cool. I like that we got this time for him to have this internal dialogue and say, hey, if this is what Trigger is, and if this is who I am, and if this is what's going on, and it's all linked through Gut Select and, you know, this ancient tablet, and this is all 30 minutes, like, him going through and asking to go with Akito to, to check things out so he could learn more about Trigger was really great. I absolutely love that. So good. I, I like it when people are in strange circumstances like this, and they ask questions that the audience is asking, and either they hit walls or they give us some answers. And, uh, yeah. I didn't even remember at the moment if he really got a bunch of answers. There was a little bit, um, like about who, uh, your girl Yuna is really, who Yuzare is. Uh, so that was cool to see. But, uh, yeah. I liked it. It was really, really, uh, I don't know, it just, it feels real. It feels like they're not afraid. And it feels like they're not going to hover this mystery over us for the entire series to make it interesting and engaging and enticing 
but like, hey, here's some answers. There might be more mysteries, or there are more mysteries, but here's some answers for now to start you off with, and uh, we'll go from here. It's a relationship. We're going to have a dialogue here. We're going to provoke questions. You, the audience, are going to ask them. We're going to give you some answers, and we're going to give you some new questions, too. That's what I want. So uh, another really positive thing, or something I really enjoyed, was Captain Tatsumi fighting Ignis. It was a very short-lived fight, uh, but it was cool. It felt like a tactical duel between masters. Where have I heard that before? <laughs> uh, anybody know about the Maul Kenobi fight from Rebels? Anyway, that's what I'm referencing. But this really did feel like it was a little slow. It was a little plodding. There was a you know like a minuscule amount of action, but it was cool because he disarmed. Uh, <laughs> he disarmed Ignis and. Uh, uh, Nanase caught his gun, and then everybody just turns weapons on this dude, and he is trapped in the middle. And I just, I love that. That was so cool. It's like a very effective, uh, you know, team effort. Uh, but it was, you know, Captain was the point man in there, and he just went and he took care of things. So that was super cool to see. Uh, I love the effect of Okugabura digging. Uh, also, I think the Galba, Galba or Melba and Golba, whatever. I think that was Galba. Anyway, him digging uh, uh, on the Mars Dome was really cool too. Um, in the first episode, and they're from Z Ultraman Z was my first modern Ultraman show or new generation Ultra, I should say. Um, and uh, there's some things I picked up on there that are done here, like the way they dig through the ground, uh, and they always like hide. They have stuff in the foreground so you can't see them actually digging, and it's obviously like just an effect shot. Um, but uh, it's so cool and it's so clever. And that's some of the stuff I love about Tokusatsu is like those quick, clever things uh, that they do to make really effective shots and very effective effects um, without uh, spending a bunch of money, wasting money, really. It, it's, you know, judicious uh, use of the budget they have uh, to get the most out of it. And I absolutely love it. And, you know, every project should do that. Um, every uh, person should strive to do that, too. To do the best you can with the money you have and not exceed it. Because, you know... You can't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's unsustainable. Anyway, I dug all that stuff. Uh, I want to know, was this episode too comedic for you? Um, we had uh, Kengo and Akido jumping up and down like little kids trying to get uh, Ignis to let go of the uh, of the Okagabura. And uh, I don't know. Like, was that funny? I don't think it was. And then we had like a really weird moment with... Uh, Yuna saving the kid where they just kind of like stood there and cried or, or the kid cried and she just held her and it, it was like an awkward moment like I don't think it was supposed to be funny like I almost think it was poorly done um, so I don't know if like some of the comedic stuff was like to try to make up for some of the weirder things I, I, I don't know I just get a, a weird vibe from this episode it's my least favorite so far of the four uh, I'm giving it a three out of five um, just because it wasn't as good as it could have been. There were parts of it that were fabulous. Parts of it that were really great. Oh, I forgot to praise one more part, and i got to go back and do that real quick. So when uh, Akido was luring the uh, Okagabura away with that item, that uh, beacon, they called it, which I thought the beacon was going to turn into one of uh, Trigger's weapons, and who knows, maybe they'll take it back and it will. Um, but anyway... Um, when he was running away from it and he was in the foreground and the Okugabura was behind him, it looked really good. Like, I think they did a, a great job of basically seamlessly blending the, the shot together. Uh, because I keep referencing Star Wars, uh, the scene in uh, Return of the Jedi where Luke is fighting the Rancor, um, the Rancor Beast in Jabba's palace in the beginning, uh, you can tell that they're doing rear projection uh, because they couldn't match Hamill in the foreground 
to the rear projection very well, you know, you can tell it's an effect. Also, I recently watched uh, Godzilla Destroy All Monsters on Tubi, and there's this one scene where you, it's a very obvious rear projection uh, effect, and actually, uh, the reason I'm mentioning that is because they did a really good job with it this time, and I think they composited the shots together well, because I don't think they have something that, uh, like the Mandalorian has, which is the volume, which the volume is basically super high budget rear projection, because they have the stuff running on the screen behind them, and they record environments and scenes and ships and whatever. They record those things behind them, and then they have the actors acting in front of them, and they have the camera in between. So it's actor in the foreground, this giant rear projection screen, basically, but just a super modern version, super modern ultra HD version of it on these gigantic screens behind them, and then the camera uh, and the audience is here on the other side of them, and it, it just captures beautifully. I had no idea that's what they were doing because I was aware from the Mandalorian's production that they were filming out here, I guess, in the LA area. There's a spoiler guy uh, from MakingStarWars.net, Jason Ward, who goes out there and uh, gets all that stuff. So I thought, oh, you know, this looks like it's shot in a deserty place. California's deserty. They, you know, made this train yard more deserty, and that's where they're filming this thing. But it turns out they were filming there, but also they were filming uh, elsewhere in the volume. And I don't know where the volume is located. I don't think it's in that train yard. That wouldn't make sense to me. To me, it would seem like it'd be more in a controlled studio environment. But anyway, um, I'm praising the compositing work because the compositing work here looks almost as if it was done on the volume uh, for like the Mandalorian production, which looks fabulous. So uh, I think they did a really great job with that. And I think, uh, I hope they get some sort of accolades for that because it looks so, so good. So anyway, that was my last uh, positive thing that I had forgotten to include because I accidentally throw it in the negative section. I'll have to make sure I fix that for the show notes. So, uh, the question about the episode being too comedic, I'm not sure. That's my answer. I don't know if it was too comedic or not. Um, parts of it were very funny, but I kind of think, I thought episode three was funnier, but it had like a better fight scene and I didn't really like the fight scene. It kind of dragged in this one with the Oka, uh, Oka, Oka something, Gabura, Gamura. I don't know. I'm not going to look at my notes for it anymore. I'm moving on. Uh, and so should you. So anyway, uh, go ahead and I'd love to hear your answer to if you thought this was a more comedic episode and if you liked that or not, if it was too comedic for you, and how do you rank this episode out of the four we have so far of Trigger. Thank you for your time and attention. I hope you enjoyed this. Check out my growing collections of analysis, art, and fiction. The bottom of the show notes might just feature a design relevant to the topic at hand. Click around and find out. You can also visit mjmwindows.com support to see my latest designs and more. I welcome all forms of critique to improve my craft, so don't hold back any comments you have for me. I leave you with peace and blessings. This is MJ, signing out.